Show, Sportsnet 59 of the fan, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning. Uh, it's early, I'm chill. What's the thing about this time of day? It's chill, dude. Chilled out. Very chill. Um, it's hard to be that chill, though, when the Blue Jays return home for their mm-hmm. final six games of the season, needing, well, at minimum, not at minimum, three wins would 100% punch their ticket to the postseason. And they're. Who wants that? Their percentage of getting into the postseason is still abnormally high. But it just takes one game, like we saw <laughs> yesterday, in which they get shut down again by Michael King, the offense basically non-existent. Mm-hmm. The closer that was on the mound, again, during the worst postseason failure. Yeah, Honestly, in franchise history, there's been a lot of successes for this team, but the way game two against the Mariners went down, probably the most disappointing um, it, it just takes one game, nine innings <laughs> to have the worst thoughts you can imagine start creeping into your old skull. Yeah, there's a, and the best or no, no, definitely not the best. The worst part of that is that there's so many things to choose from. Like the closer is where we're all going to immediately go today. And yeah. yeah, that's a big one. Oh, back to back times. He's been out. He's got touched up and Oh, the last time before that, he was looking at his fingers. So we really, really don't fingers fine don't now. Like that. Okay, all right, sure. Uh, I, I personally, me, I would have said maybe it's not, and just mm. tried to use that as an excuse. Uh, but I guess we love honesty. Uh, but it's not just the closer. Uh, you know, it's uh, his job to get the outs. It's Kevin Gossman's job to get the outs. Uh, they did that for the most part. You need, need, need to find a way to get more consistent offense from this team. And by that, I mean just anything. The Vladdy at bat with the bases loaded, there's going to be so much to touch mm. on for that one. But even the earlier at bat in the in the third inning or early in the game, you know, he had another shot there. So you, you know, this, this team, we've had the conversations a million times. And it just because it's true doesn't mean I want to hear it. If I have to hear, I think you got to tip your cap to pitch your ex one more time yeah maybe don't maybe tip your cap to the blue jays offense just once about coming through against a pitcher who is on their game well you're gonna face one or two in the playoffs maybe you're taking it too far because they just won four to six on this road trip and it's just one game and there's been plenty of of hat tipping uh and uh deservedly so for this this blue jays team recently and they took a bunch of walks they had a bunch of base runners It, it must be it must be said but yeah um, and so much has gone right for this team, not just mm-hmm. their own business, that the out-of-town scoreboard has been so, so kind to them that you see a game like yesterday uh, combined with the fact that the Seattle Mariners, they snapped their four-game losing streak with a 6-2 victory over the Astros. The The situation's still very good for the Blue Jays as far as the postseason is concerned. They're a game and a half up on the Astros in that final wild-card spot, and the uh, Mariners a half game back of the Astros. So two games up on the Mariners, a team that they do not control the tiebreaker against. The Astros, they do, but it's just a, a game and a half up on them. Um, and still, three games will 100% punch their ticket into the postseason. So, yeah, you mentioned Romano. Mm-hmm. It's a good place to start. Why not? It's the place to start. I don't know if it's – it is. It's 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 either there or with the offense. But, again, Michael King apparently is going to win uh, five consecutive American League Cy Young Awards <laughs> starting next season because he looks un touchable. Well, Shohei's gone, so. Yeah. He, he looks unfreaking touchable and the Blue Jays will see Garrett Cole tonight, so it doesn't get a whole lot easier. But yeah, you, you hear Caleb Joseph talk about mm-hmm. you know who he'd prefer to face having actually faced Garrett Cole, and he said Garrett Cole 100 times out of 100. is concerning. That's Very. concerning that, yeah, Garrett Cole is not going anywhere next year for the Yankees, no. and Michael King 
might be better uh, if he can if he can keep this up. So Jordan Romano, I, I think I mentioned this yesterday. Sure, he doesn't make life easy if you're a Blue Jays fan, but very few closers in the history of the sport are you know one, two, three, uh, no base runners. It, 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 and if they are, they're in the Hall of Fame. Yes. There's one guy. His name is Mariano Rivera. But even he has some pretty notable, even postseason blowups. Mm-hmm. Jordan Romano's been great this season. He truly has. He's had four blown saves. Yesterday was not a blown save, of course. Tie game. Mm-hmm. You know what is strange, though, Brent? And again, Caleb Joseph was talking about this after the game. Jordan Romano in tie games. Yeah, those numbers were jarring. Opponents OPS 820 in tie games. Freaking games, which is, I understand that the closer in a non-save situation thing, like if it's four or five it's runs. Different. Yeah, okay. Like that, I get it. There, there's no adrenaline rush, right? Yeah. Yep. Oh, you, you, you don't the feel old like, Jack Morris pitching the score conversation. <laughs> right. You don't feel like you're on the razor's edge. When you're in a tie game in the ninth <laughs> inning, it's 0-0, and your team is, is fighting for its playoff lives. Why is that any different than a, a save situation? But... I mean, we have a large enough sample here to tell you that it apparently is. We need to apparently, you know, Romano's always walking around, cruising around in times when he's getting ready. We got to put strategically placed TVs that show him like big Vladdy or Chapman homers or something. We have to find a way to trick him into thinking it is a safe situation because you cannot tell me anything else than it is some type of switch that's being flipped. This and I'd feel this way if this was what you know, this, this is not one or two outings. It's a sample size larger than that. And when you look at when you look at a position that is, you know, we talk about it right up there with kind of goaltending in terms of the you need to have such a specific mindset and the ability to be so locked in, but also throw things away so quickly that any time seeds of doubt kind of enter, I always worry about that. I guess the, if I'm going to put a positive spin on it, it's that it's this very one set of circumstances that you need or where he's not able to come through in the same way. But guess what? If you're going to go on a long postseason run, you're going to need Romano, not just when your team is up one or two runs and you're at home or whatever the exact perfect closer situation is. Well, yeah. I mean, if these were the numbers for, for Zach Britton in 2016 <laughs> and Buck Showalter didn't put him into the game because he's like, hey, he can't pitch in a tie game. Yeah. Like, I I'm, I know you, it makes and sense. And I have talked to Buck about this. I have talked to Adam Jones about this. I'm trying to think if there's other members. And that never came up. It always is, eh, well, you know, we save situation, all that. So I don't think that's the case. No, I don't think so. So I, I, I mentioned the whatever, 826 OPS in tie games. That was before yesterday's game. Baseball reference is now updated. It's a 928 oh. OPS, uh, naturally, with a, a, a single and a, and a home run. But it's worse. Given up to the Yankees yesterday. It's, it's not not the world's largest sample, but that's there's the life of the closer. Like even a full season of relief work is not the largest sample. It's it's 17 games for Jordan Romano, 58 plate appearances. He's now given up four home runs in that situation. Elsewhere, like in other situations, late and close, like you can look at the other clutch stats. He's been great. He's been absolutely nails. Opposition hitting 213 against him in late and close situations. Two out. Runners in scoring position, the time you, you most need to clutch up. Yeah. Opponents hitting 171 <laughs> against Jordan Romano. Um, okay, so I want to play this clip from from John Schneider talking about Jordan Romano and and his his belief in his ability to bounce back 
and and what he can be for this team in the final five games of this regular season and into the postseason. Because I have some thoughts about how he's going to be managed down the stretch and and the likelihood John Schneider um, is going to take a big swing at the back end of the bullpen. The life of a closer is tough, and you have to have a very short memory. And, you know, you look at the result, yeah, it wasn't, you know, ideal tonight or on Saturday, but you look at the overall body of work and you look at the stuff, and the stuff was there. You know, if uh, if a starter makes a bad pitch in the second inning for a two-run homer and then goes seven innings, you kind of forget about it. It gets really, really magnified when you're pitching one inning. Yeah, it does. Uh, overall body of work, I-, I agree. Like I said, Jordan Romano, in an overall sense, has been great, great this season. Mm -hmm. And do I think he can continue to be great this regular season into the postseason, can close out a potential Game 7 of the World Series? Sure. I think it's everything's possible. Do I think it's also possible that maybe he's going through a rut right now? I do. Do I think John Schneider is a guy that's going to look at the immediacy or, or what's happening in the moment as opposed to the overall body of work? I have my doubts. Because we, we, we've already seen this with Trevor Richards, who's mm-hmm. been a very reliable reliever for this Blue Jays team and and has earned his spot to pitch into leverage. Went through a stretch of games where he, like about five games where he allowed a run in each of those outings. Was continually used in leverage because of the overall body of work. And what did he do? He, he, he reverted to the form, his most recent form. This is... He, I understand that baseball is a large sample sport and and you can't just live in the immediacy all the time, especially during the regular season when there's so many games to be played. We're about to head into a postseason where you might have two shots at it. Mm -hmm. I I get it that Jordan Romano has been great all season long. If he stinks right now, then you got to make a move right now. Not right now necessarily during the regular season, but if this continues for the next five games and you have a better option, a guy that throws 102 in the bullpen and Jordan Hicks... I think you got to make the move. Um, I just don't know that John Schneider is bold enough to pull off a move like that. Yeah, it is a concerted decision that he would be criticized for should it blow up in his face. I don't disagree with it, but if I'm going to look at the other side of things, we just talked about how Romano is a different dude outside of that specific job of closing games mm-hmm. for this team. And you know, I know a lot of people roll their eyes at this when you when you talk about these things, but do you risk losing the player? And I don't mean that in a sense of he's going to go sulk and I don't want to close game. I'm not, I don't want to pitch for this team, but it's just he has proven he's very good in that one specific role. And, you know, do you feel good about bringing him in, in the seventh inning of a, of a game? It, I, I don't because of exactly what we've seen in this instance. So I think that is the thing you have to balance there. And I think that that's why... To your point, you don't go away from Romano immediately. I think he has to stub his toe twice more in the regular season for this to happen. And I just, I don't see that happening. But if it happens twice more, then I think he can have that conversation. But even if he, if if it happens again tonight, I think you have to give him another chance to get back because if he's not doing that one job for you, Mm -hmm. I don't know what he is. And, And as much as we love the depth of this pen, you take him away and you push everyone up a peg, yeah. all of a sudden we feel very differently about it. Baseball is stupid in this regard. <laughs> Agreed. Okay. Just yeah. blanket yeah. statement. Yeah, period. Uh, actually, exclamation point. Uh, <laughs> baseball is stupid because it is the largest sample 
sport that we have. You play so many games every day. All the time. There's like two days off a month. <laughs> and and yeah, you cannot leave, uh, you cannot live in the immediacy. You can if you're a fan, because that's what fans do. But then you feel stupid about it, right? Like you, mm-hmm. you have, like even you think, it, hey, uh, Bobachet's got a long track record last season of you just having a down year. Boy, this guy isn't maybe what we thought he was and then goes on a month and a half uh, <laughs> streak of, of hitting and is the American League leader and hits, and it makes you look stupid. So that's 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 the regular season, though. <clears throat> when we get to the postseason, when we get to October, things change. It's about single at-bats. It's about single games. It's about single pitches. Yeah, moments. And, and it doesn't even mean, like, say Jordan Romano was lifted from higher leverage or the leash was shorter. Like sure. even, even that, I, I I don't know if John Schneider would be willing to do. So because what, we, just, we, we saw it. Hold on one yeah. second. We saw, we saw Jordan Romano. We talked about it uh, over the weekend yep. on Saturday, looking at the, the, bra, uh, the broken mm-hmm. nail again, apparently something he's gotten past uh, as far as uh, he, well, he certainly wasn't looking at it, but yeah, not an issue at all in that situation. When there was a clear, there would be a reason for him to be faltering in an outing, even in that instance, and I know Tim Meza was warming, but I, 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 if not against the lefty, when was Tim Meza going to come into that game? If John Schneider is not even willing to lift him from a situation in which there are mitigating factors for him not being at his absolute best, like when is the time then? Yeah, no, you're you're right. I was just going to ask, like, what does that look like? Does that look like Hicks? being hot does that look like it what it looked like on the what was it the friday or the saturday game there saturday. When it, the saturday game where it's Mesa? and yeah i think that you know i honestly hadn't thought of that and that is kind of proof positive of how hesitant schneider is to do these things and i think that whatever your criticisms are and boy there have been plenty of them across the the station across the summer for a myriad of things i think the unwillingness to do the bold thing has probably been the biggest the biggest criticism that is the constant throughout all of it. Another word comes to mind when we're talking about these type of decisions. And again, going back to that that two-game playoff series um, against the Seattle Mariners last year, specifically game two. Feel, <laughs> yes. right? And I, and I get it. Like, none of these managers are, are allowed too much feel. That's the reason they were put into the positions they were put into. Yeah, this because isn't uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman and Moneyball. No. Uh, my boy, Art Howe. Yeah. yeah, no, they, they're they they're supposed to execute the game plan. They have a ton of information, and they're supposed to use that to make their decisions. And, you know, there's an extreme other end of this that's awful as well, where it's like you're only going by feel, and then, you know, the next yeah, day you, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you get asked why you made a decision. You're like, I just felt it was the right decision, which is also bad. Like, that's, that's not good either. But can't there be like... Like a happy middle ground like can't you use your eyes like can't you see that kevin gossman is rolling yeah. quite a bit and that like he's a better option than tim Mesa to face carlos santana in a must-win game <laughs> against the seattle mariners can't we tell like if this continues that jordan romano while you're, it's not like okay he's not the closer next season or you know you you don't you're never going to rely on him in high leverage ever again can't there also be moments where you realize, hey, this guy doesn't have it today, and we pushed a lot of chips into the middle of the table to shop at the top of the reliever market, mm-hmm. and we got a guy that throws 100 dues, who's a pending free agent as well. Um, let's use the bullets that he's got in his arm. I just, there, the idea that that might be prudent, uh, I think, is, is, is very high likelihood. Uh, and two, 
the likelihood that John Schneider actually pulls that lever, I think, is very low. You would remember the particulars about this better than me, and this leads to the idea of is this an organizational problem? What was how did it play out with Matt Shoemaker in oh. the? Well, yeah, he was the opener, and he if okay, you would probably remember, so I'm just yeah, gonna stop was, talking. It was. Was it not Matt Shoemaker and Robbie Ray piggybacking yes. each other instead of Hunjin Ryu starting game one of that postseason yeah. series uh, against the Tampa Bay? Yeah. But again, Rays. it's like, this is the plan. This is the way it has to yeah. go. And, and if that I worked remember, out spectacularly. Yeah, yeah great. Uh, Shoemaker was dealing and then they took him out. If I'm trying, I'm trying to remember, was that, was that not what it was? No, it was him and Robbie Ray were, were, were piggybacking and it yeah. actually ended up working out. But yeah, the Blue Jays scored no runs in that oh, series. So, so yeah. once again, they had a master plan for the pitching and it was no runs. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, okay. we, I, I tend to not think about that Just, season. Yeah. Wipe it away. Um, for, for reasons probably outside of baseball, but also <laughs> baseball reasons as well. But yeah, no, it would have been a nice little feather in, in the Blue Jays cap to say at least we have one postseason win Boy, over the Bo Bichette, uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. tenure, but they don't. Um, all right, let's talk about the positives from yesterday because there were some. Mm-hmm. One one big one, and and that might have been the end of Kevin Gossman's regular season. He's lined up to start uh, the, the, we hope, we hope. the final game. Of the season on Sunday against the the Tampa Bay Rays. And boy, wouldn't that be something if the Blue Jays needed that one, having uh, the postseason seemingly right in front of them. Uh, but yeah, Kevin Gossman goes seven, giving up just three hits against the Yankee lineup that did not have Aaron Judge in it. And apparently Aaron Judge is going to play the final two games of the series. That's another thing. Like, might have wasted an opportunity against a Yankees lineup that ain't, ain't aces and has the only guy that's worth a damn him and Glaber Torres who actually came up with a big hit before the Austin Wells home run uh seven innings for for Kevin Gossman giving up three hits five strikeouts couple of walks if this is it for him ERA of 316 um and in two years as a member of the Toronto Blue Jays an ERA of 325 a whip of one 207 last year ninth in american league cy young award voting this year another all-star performance the era has gone down by 0.2 of a run i think in an overall sense though it last year was a little bit better than this mm-hmm. year but like look at the strikeout totals leading the american league with 237 185 innings pitch second most uh in his career sorry third most in his career but yeah uh wrapped up uh, his Giants career when the Blue Jays signed him with 192 innings, had an ERA under three, and I was a little dubious as to whether he'd be able to sure. carry that over into the American League. He's been absolutely lights out since the Blue Jays signed him to a, to a contract to replace a guy that won the American League Cy Young Award in Robbie Ray. He has been everything they went out and paid for, and it has only become more important, not just the fact that he was taking over for the reigning AL Cy Young winner in Robbie Ray, but also given everything that's happened with Manoa. You know, we talk about that this year, but to bring it back to last year, Barrios just kind of disappearing, obviously not in the same way that Manoa has this year, but in terms of him being a consistent, reliable top-end starter. So I think the the best thing you can say about Gosman is he is just your true old school ace every fifth day you're going to get a chance every fifth day he's going to give you a a bunch of innings now he has had a few more kind of blips in the back half of the season like you were talking about this year compared to last but he's really kind of right of the ship and seeing that outing albeit against that Yankees lineup just really really nice to see him have that kind of if that is hopefully the final start for him in the regular season mm-hmm. this year good way to uh, feel heading into the playoffs yeah they could have easily gotten this wrong right like 
the Blue they Jays just signed Robbie Ray. Right? Well, yeah. <laughs> well, that's the the other side of it, and and clearly the Blue Jays were interested in re-signing Robbie Ray, and whether you believe the stories at the time about you know, I there heard was, some stories. Yeah, yeah, there was some vaccination stuff with Robbie Ray, but there was also some report that hey, the money's right. Like yeah, you know, the, people's uh, thoughts on on that stuff can evolve. Uh, just they're just to his wit. Be- they're just his beliefs. Yeah, you know? I can change them anytime <laughs> yeah. I want. Just Me my too. Believies, you know? Yeah, honestly, there's uh, there's an am- uh, amount of money that yeah, I uh, my my morals also a little oh, wishy washy. I have I have hammered live. With at least one percent hoping that they'll be like, we got to get this guy on yeah. our side. <laughs> so yeah, so there's a, like an alternate reality where the Blue Jays look like um, they're cheapskates because they don't re-sign Robbie Ray. He continues to have a tremendous career in Seattle. They go out and and get the devil they don't know, as opposed to the devil they know. In Kevin Gossman, a guy who had shown flashes of brilliance, but. Really, that was the first time in his entire career that he put together a season like he did in San Francisco, hitting free agency. Again, in the National League, in a ballpark that is super pitcher-friendly. There's an alternate reality where he arrives on that big contract Mm -hmm. in Toronto and stanks out the joint. Having already in his career not been good in the AL East. I know that's unfair. That's a different guy, but that narrative was so right there. So, yeah, it is... They really thread the needle kind of perfectly on this one. And, you know, say what you will about the decisions the front office has made. There's been a lot to say about them, and rightfully so. But in terms of pitching, and, you know, I don't, I'm not going to absolve them of what happened with Manoa this year, but I don't know how much of that you can put on them. You know, Barrios, we had the questions about the bet they made there. Seems like a pretty good one, especially given, like we talked about yesterday, what the pieces you sent the other way have have become. Uh, and then Gosman, just a, a really, really nice piece of work. So you, and even Kikuchi, a guy who we were all the way down on, yeah. you know, I know we've, we've swooned a little bit since, but look at what he's been for what he's cost this year. So it's uh they, they really have done a nice, nice job with the rotation. Yeah. Brandon Bell appeared to be a, a nice little addition as well. He's produced when he's been in the lineup uh, return from the IL yesterday and like everybody else went over, uh, <laughs> but he did have a walk and, and a strikeout. Um, we'll see if he's back in the lineup. He today. looks like a playoff hitter. It's a dumb thing to say, I know, but he just—he looks like he's got the no, beard. And... I don't think it's—I don't think it's dumb okay. at all. Okay, you were, I wasn't going to mention the facial hair. I no. was going to say like, oh, he, t- he no, works a count. Nothing like to he... do with that. It's just his face, <laughs> his beard. He's, he's not overly cool looking out there. Yeah. Like just respectable. Looks like a working man's ball player. <laughs> are there no cool looking baseball players that have had success in the postseason? No, there there are. I'm just saying that like when I when I close my eyes, I think of a guy. Just, just grinding, and it's it's Brandon Belt. So yeah, oh yeah, he's, he's grinding and was grinding yesterday. Uh, I imagine he'll be back in there again today against the righties. The Blue Jays facing nothing but light, uh, righties, which means I guess the end of David Schneider. Like David Schneider had a, a good run there and goes through an 0 for 30 spell with a bunch of strikeouts. And we know since he arrived in the major leagues, nobody's taken more called strikes yeah. outside of the zone than David Schneider. But it, I, I, it really does feel like we'll put that on his level of excellence uh, plaque. I, 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 I'm not out on David Schneider, but apparently the Blue Jays have seen enough uh, to say that they're out on David Schneider. So John Schneider not making uh, an immediacy call on on Jordan Romano. But he is on David that, Schneider. Uh, well, and I mean to be fair, you know, a little, little bit record. of a different track record there. But I, I, 
you know, given the righty lefty thing, I can understand it. But I also think that given the complete dearth of offensive options on this team, maybe you don't want to completely throw that one away. Yeah. Uh, and the overall numbers for David Schneider are still good. And it was always understood that he was going to go through uh, a little bit of a trough. Eh, maybe not an 0 for 30, but that's uh, that's the world we live in uh, in pro sports. All right. More baseball coming up after 7 o'clock. We'll get into the umpiring uh, aspect well, of that, yesterday's it'll be, game. It's good to bring David Schneider back up when we do that because, honestly, he's kind of the crux of the issue there. Yeah, and, and we'll talk to Buck Martinez after 8 o'clock as well. But coming up next, uh, the sports world continues to react to the possibility of Dame in Toronto. Uh, they're not taking it so well. I love it. It's the Fan Morning Show. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Diving deep into Leafs, Raptors, Jays, and NFL. The J.D. Bunkins Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Sounds like Miami is out, and Toronto might be the leader in the clubhouse uh, getting Lillard. I wonder how Lillard feels. I'm sure that wasn't in his in, on his mind when he told the Blazers finally after the draft I, I request a trade. I think the last place in America he wanted to go to was Toronto. I don't like it one bit, and I hope that this is completely and patently false because <laughs> that means absolutely nothing to what uh, Damian Lillard's long-term plans are. The reality is that he wants to be in a position where he can compete for a championship. If that, if Toronto is option, why not just stay the hell in Portland? It's a waste of time to even think about going to the Toronto Raptors. Damian Lillard should have Miami at the top of his list. Fine. But he should also have Philly on that list for the possibility to pair with Embiid, especially with Harden wanted out. He should have Boston on that list for the possibility of pairing with Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum because they've got some other pieces they can give to Portland. Teams like that, me personally, I wish that Dane could be in L.A. He doesn't want that. But if he could be in L.A. with LeBron and Anthony Davis, I mean, talk to me about something like that. The Toronto Raptors? That makes no that sense. Is make, that makes no sense whatsoever. I don't even want to hear about the story after we talk about it. I don't even want to hear about it. Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 5.9 The Fan, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, that, of course, uh, Chris Mad Dog Russo. Stephen A. Smith, uh, congratulations. Uh, Toronto's not part of America. Yeah, cut that gummy in a quarter next time, <laughs> Russo, okay? Also, also, uh, Stephen A. Smith, I think I, too, not that I'll ever sound as cool as Stephen A., but could you imagine how cool we would sound if Santos just, like, pumped, a, like, a sick music oh beat under everything we had to say? Yeah. Sounds so much more definitive and assertive about everything. It's yeah. A bad look for me, but you could, I think, play it off yeah, well. Yeah, I don't think so. You know, I, yeah, you should just wear earbuds around, like, in your everyday I life, should. playing that 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 music bed. I have been known to basically do the part of my take, fastest two minutes, just around my house with that bed <laughs> leading into <laughs> football on Sundays. I'm like, and the Giants! And my wife's like, why are you talking in that cadence please stop you're scaring the child yeah so uh look right. toronto being being told eh, go sit in the corner 2019 was a long time ago yeah. is basically what's happening here so okay I, I i'm dubious of trading for dame lillard too for the reasons i've outlined this week that the raptors were no a 41 it's no way to live ben. team but i'm doing a 180 when you hear comments like yeah. that, and it well, and the Russo part of it specifically, 
Uh, Stephen A. at least is outlining some basketball reasons as to why those other teams in the Eastern Conference who should be more intent on trading for Dame Lillard. But the Russo, well, one, is is putting Toronto in the United States this of America. Great. This is great. But two, that like, would help our chances, I think. I thought we were over this, right? Like, this is this is like a Chris Bosh leaving ESPN in free agency. Metric uh, he, and Antonio Davis metric system. 100%. This, I, I, I thought we were past this. I thought, you know... Like I, I, I know the the idea of bringing Drake up into any Raptors conversation has become a bit of a joke, but like I truly do think that he was instrumental in changing the perception of this team. Had a, an All Star game here. I can tell you uh, specifically that visiting players love coming to Toronto. Mm-hmm. Maybe a little too much, but yeah, I, I thought we were past this thing. Um, and, and maybe that's – I'm pointing at a, a guy who's a little bit uh, longer in the tooth than Chris Russo and, and his takes not being maybe on the cutting edge of, of the actual feeling of NBA players right now. But I thought, I thought, we, were, I thought we were past that thing. And I, I, I truly don't believe that if, if Dame Lillard had his druthers, uh, not wanting to come to Toronto would be because of the Toronto-ness of it. I think there would be basketball reasons, but I, I find it hard to believe that we're still doing the, hey, it's Toronto and NBA players don't want to be here. First things first, how dare you say <laughs> a man who in this very time slot compared Shohei Otani to Secretariat may not be on the cutting edge of his takes, okay? <laughs> so first things first, just watch your tone. You're right. I think that, that, that this has all kind of gone by the wayside to a certain extent, But I also think it is very quickly, and this goes back to what we talked about, of why is this coming out now? Where is this coming from? Is this coming from Lillard's camp? Is this coming from the Blazers of, hey, Miami, come on, best offer time. There Mm -hmm. is another team involved here. I think these are all very easy things to throw out there, whether you believe them or not, because it sounds like it's an actual reason to not want to go somewhere. The double tax, the double dip. I'm not saying I buy it, and I don't think Damian Lillard thinks of Toronto as some, you know, backwoods city that he can't go get a meal in after a game or anything like that. I mean, go go run through the however many teams are in the NBA, 30, 31, 32, whatever it is. Toronto's in the upper probably third of of those cities, if not the, the kind of, you know, top 10 there in terms of places you'd want to be. So I don't think it's seen that way but I do think it is an easy excuse to throw out and you'd never hear it come out of Lillard's mouth saying oh I don't want to play in Canada I don't want to go there but it's a very easy thing for people who are speaking for his camp to do well it's very easy honestly still for Americans I think to to look at Toronto and and use that as the the example the example like if I were to do it and I were to to you know Use a an NBA market right. um, uh, as as the prime example of a place that I you know you would never see a free agent sign. I would probably say Charlotte. I would say Charlotte or Utah. Yeah, but Utah's, Utah's like basketball city though, right? And and they've had some recent runs mm-hmm. of success, and like it seems like a, a team on the come up. But yeah, the idea that Toronto's this this the automatic place that you go like this is not the first time it's been used in this in this fashion exactly um so go back to the initial reporting the shams sharania report out of the athletic talked about hey dame lillard is perhaps not going to be all that pleased to be traded somewhere other than his prime destination say for example it's toronto like use (laughs) one specific example and it was the Toronto Raptors. I, I, I don't know why we're still doing that with this franchise. Granted, I understand the basketball reasons, but it feels like when arguments like this come up, it, it, it goes beyond basketball. Yeah, it's the, it's the thing. And, 
you know, I'm not going to say there's not credence to this stuff. I also, you know, kind of like hey, grow up. It's your job. Figure it out. But there's the stuff about it's passports and it's family members can't come see you. And, you know, I'm not going to pretend that those things wouldn't matter to a guy like Damian Lillard. But I also think, you know, if somebody needs to get a passport, you know, it's not the end of the world. Uh, like, you know, I've read stories about how Damian Lillard has these friends. will just come and kind of live with him for periods of time and stay at his house for three months. They're regular people have regular jobs. They'll just work remote. And maybe that is part of the equation for a guy like Lillard, that his kind of circle of people can't come up and do what he's done in Portland. That's a very one-of-one one specific incident, but that, that those are the types of things. And it's not to say it's completely without credence, but, you know, like you said, if he, if he was looking at being traded to Charlotte, I don't think he'd be any more excited about it, and he shouldn't be. Yeah, okay, so there are obvious basketball yes. reasons why this doesn't make sense for the Toronto Raptors. What I've now uh, made my mind up about is not dissimilarly to the situation with Kawhi Leonard. I would rate Dame, like if the, if the Raptors do pull this off, like if, if Masai Ujiri says, you know what, uh, throws caution to the wind, says this team might not be championship level, but that was the case before Dame Lillard. At least they're a little more interesting and the Eastern Conference is wide open and who the hell knows. Let's give it a run. Um, I'm 100% convinced now Dame Lillard is suiting up for the Toronto Raptors oh, and yeah. not making any waves. I mean, th- there are just, there are very few examples I understand Grange saying yesterday that usually when the NBA superstar says he wants to be traded, one, he's traded, and two, when he says he wants to be traded to a specific location, he usually gets his wish. And the most recent example, of course, Kevin Durant, who mm-hmm. was asking for a trade last offseason. I mean, forever, though. Mellow, like, right? Yeah, yeah. Eventually, those guys do a, do end up getting their way. The, the most recent example of that not happening, though, being Kawhi Leonard. But, yeah, we we rarely see, if ever the situation where the player decides not to play in basketball games, and especially a guy whose reputation was as squeaky clean as, as Dame Lillard. I mean, the, the only example that I can, I can really point to in recent history is Ben Simmons. And the amount of money that it cost him, apparently still going through some of the mechanisms um, behind the scenes in the NBA, but about $20 bucks it, it cost Ben Simmons to not suit up for the Philadelphia 76ers. This is a guy in Dame Lillard who is under contract for four more seasons. At the end of that four-year contract, he's going to be making (laughs) 60-plus million dollars. He's over 30 years old. He has a a track record of of not being the most healthy dude. Mm -hmm. There is a 0% chance that the Raptors trade for Dame Lillard and, and he doesn't play for the Toronto Raptors. Yeah, no, there is no world where that happens. If they pull the trigger on the deal, he will come here. I think maybe the way that would play out is you would hear from your your Shams, Woj, your Windhorse types of, ah, he's a little taken back by the news, but looking forward to getting to Toronto. And then all you ever hear from Dame is, I'm so excited, I can't wait to be here. There were a lot of places that uh, there was a lot of noise about me, but I'm happy to be here and start yeah. like, that is just going to be the cleanest start ever. They're He's going to come in and effectively, you know, I'm a shocker. I'm going to go hockey guy on you here. He's going to become the captain of the team. Like, sorry, Pascal Siakam. Right. Car keys. You had him for about eight seconds. Got to hand him over to Dame if, if he if he gets here. They, he, it's just going to be his team. Should they be able to pull it off? I still, the way this is turning, I 
and I guess I should have known better this the way these things always go. Monday, I felt like, ah, it's going to be a Raptor. This is great. And now mm. today, as every all the reporting comes, I tend to side with Grange that I think this probably continues to bleed and bleed. And I don't know that it's Miami for sure, but I could see Philly, mm. Philly uh, ponying up as well. I just think the Raptors, it was exactly what, now that I'm seeing it play out, it was exactly where I first went on it, that this was clearly a team throwing out as a team that does like to take big swings, likes to be in the mix, so it's time for everyone else to get moving on offers. It's always nice to be galvanized as one, a fan base, as a city, and when you're the only um, you're the only franchise in a country, in a league, it's nice to be galvanized as a country. Happened with the we the other stuff. Mm-hmm. I think it's starting to happen here with this Dame thing. That I I I I bet you there's a lot of people not dissimilarly to me who are like, yeah, I'm kind of lukewarm on the Dame thing. Everyone's like the Raptors. He can't go to Toronto. You're like, yes, he can. He will. Yeah, all right, forget <laughs> it. I don't care. I don't care if this is the dumb. I give up the next eight first round picks. Yeah. Go get Dame Lillard just to shut people up. It is also like, I, I this happened with the the Kevin Durant thing, and I believe that was real as well. It's always fun to be the center of the sporting conversation yeah. in this city. And especially for, for you know, it happens in hockey all the time because the Maple Leafs are the Maple Leafs. They're, you know, one of the glamour franchises in that sport. So Raptors, the Raptors are certainly not that in the NBA, despite having just won a championship four years ago. But it's always, it's always fun to see the local team who otherwise are pretty irrelevant mm-hmm. right now after a 41-win season be forefront of mind in the, in the national or international, the North American sporting conversation. Yeah, that's exactly how I look at it too, is that I don't, uh, again, I think when this is all said and done, it's going to end with the Raptors in the exact same spot they've been in, but we'll have had this week to always look back on and it's fun and it kind of resets people's, uh, not resets people's opinions. I don't think this is going to change anybody's opinion here, but, and I know people have kind of shot this idea down to me, but I do think there is something about just reasserting yourself in the league as a, a fan or not a fan base, a GM, a front office that is always doing big game hunting. It's a great point. Yeah, the the conversation uh, is now surrounding the Toronto Raptors, and I would say, despite the, the two clips that we played, mostly in a in a positive sense, is at least as far as the the potential assets that the Raptors have in swinging a, a big time trade for a superstar. And it's a bad signal to Giannis. Like it doesn't have to be. It, he doesn't have to answer the call. He probably won't. But you can't tell me that while all this noise is swirling around. The Raptors, Giannis isn't sitting there thinking. Mm-hmm. Oh, the Raptors, right. Mm. Oh, the guy who I have this great relationship <laughs> with. Oh, they're always trying to make moves, always trying to add a superstar. Mm. Mm-hmm. They have a nice young, well, okay, maybe not that nice a young core, but Scotty Barnes is fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just I think that's, like, that is not the reason they're doing this, but it is a very, very nice uh, secondary benefit. Uh, so, again, the, most of the reporting is that this is, if it's going to get done before the regular season, it's going to happen before media day for the Blazers and media day for the Raptors, which is on Monday. So we continue to monitor the NBA situation. Yesterday, almost 30,000 people oh, down can I, at can Nemo I do Field. One more quick complaining about yeah. Just not, don't do it on, like, do it Thursday. Mm-hmm. I don't want to have another Monday where I'm drinking from a fire hose in here and I got yeah. too many topics to talk about, okay? Yeah. I like my news spaced out. Brad Living was forever on my poop list because he wouldn't trade Matthew Kachuk during All-Star break, baseball's All-Star break. I need my news timed out properly. So just NBA apparatus out there, I'm putting in a request. 
I'd like this trade to come down Thursday night. That is what I would like. That'd be good. Here's what's going to happen. My birthday. Oh, wow. (laughs) Very subtly dropped in there. Uh, Happy uh, birthday. I was just saying, I'd be be Ryder Cup. It'd be Dame Lillard time. It'd be gunning time. It's not actually your birthday? No, it is. I'm I'm just saying. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Yeah, it's going to happen. Now you're confused. You don't know if it is or isn't. I don't know. Uh, It's going to happen at 5 o'clock Friday night. That's that's the way this is going to go down. Yeah. Uh, not because, you know, the Raptors want it to be a news dump. I bet you the Blazers wouldn't sure. mind it being uh, one of those Friday yeah. evening that's news dumps to, to lose their all-time franchise player. But if they're thinking of us, Thursday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, Friday, 5 o'clock. <laughs> uh, almost 30,000 down at BMO Field yesterday, uh, yesterday to see the Canadian women's soccer team take down Jamaica 2-1, punch their ticket to this coming Summer Olympics at the Paris Games, Christine Sinclair, so it was a two-legged affair against Jamaica. She didn't play in the first leg uh-huh. against the Jamaicans. She didn't start yesterday against the Jamaicans. She was a second-half substitution, came in. Uh, Jesse Fleming tried to give her the captain's armband. She refused. She said... Love it. Gave her the Heisman. Uh, I love Christine Sinclair. This may be... She's 40 years old, and we, we keep saying this every every single time she steps onto an do, international I do feel like pitch. I've had this conversation a thousand times in the last calendar year. But as far as, like, a home appearance is concerned, this might be it for one of the all-time sporting greats, not just in the sport of soccer, but, yeah, in, in all-time sporting lore. Uh-huh. She is the all-time leading international goal scorer in soccer History has appeared at five World Cups. She's ridiculous. She's part of the Order of Canada. Um, the stories around Canada soccer over the last, well, it's, it's like not even a year because what? The the World Cup was <laughs> December. <laughs> yep. So like less than a year, the last half year have been so, so bad, both around the men's team losing John Herdman and around the women's team and the contract that they're trying to strike with Canada soccer and the equitable pay between them and the men, it's been so, so bad. Every news story is horrible. The boycotts, mm-hmm. the, the the discontent, the, the alienating of all-time sporting greats has been awful, awful, awful. All I care about is Christine Sinclair and getting a moment to not have to, to think about the awfulness that, that surrounds Canada soccer. I think we got it yesterday. Fingers crossed that, yeah, we get a, a, another moment, albeit not on Canadian soil, in Paris this summer as they, they go into a tournament as defending gold medalists. Are they going to start walking there now? I know travel can be an issue with the, with the CSA. It's, it's great for her that she got that moment. I actually saw a guy when I was driving home yesterday. He had a car flag on, and I was like, what's going on? What is this, a red car flag? It was a Canada soccer car flag. So uh, clearly the people were... We're charged up and ready. You know, Christine Sinclair is probably properly rated is the answer, but because we kind of drop in and do these, ah, she's so great, and then don't think about her for a period of time, somehow this CSA story and everything surrounding it has actually been not beneficial to her career, but beneficial to the way she Mm. is perceived because she is constantly front of mind. Otherwise, it would just be, okay, it's an Olympic. Okay, it's a gold cup. Okay, it's this, it's that. It's a She Believes Cup. Okay, we're going to think about Christine Sinclair, and then that goes away to a certain extent. But having this story constantly be there, her being, and I don't want to make it seem like it's her alone. I'm sure she would give credit to a lot of her teammates, but she is the biggest voice. She's the one who carries the most weight when she speaks. And the fact that she has constantly had to have this fight, I know that that's not what she wants her legacy to be. I mean, if it ends up fixing itself, what a great part of it. She wants her legacy to be everything she did 
did on the field, all the goals she scored, all of that. But I think that actually having this issue constantly be front of mind has kind of hammered home because every time we say Christine Sinclair, we throw in the caveat, rightfully so of. And for those of you who are not aware, greatest of all time, all the goals, like it just hammers home what a what a legend she is. And it's unfortunate that it's come through all this kind of off the pitch stuff. But I do think that having the conversation around it has actually led to more kind of awareness of her, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Uh, again, almost 30,000 people down at, at BMO Field putting Argos crowds to shame, obviously, in an Olympic qualifying uh, match up against the Jamaicans and and coming through with a 2-1 victory. Who knows? Again, the, Chris, Christine seems like the type to never tell us that this is her last match or that she plans on retiring mm-hmm. at such and such a date, but seemed pretty emotional uh, at why? the conclusion of that why game. Do, why would... I like I know everyone's different. Everyone wants to go about it their their own way. And I made the point yesterday with Tiger that he'll never, ever give us the this is my last one. But, you know... It just take the love. Like we talked about it with Joey Votto on Monday or yeah, I guess it would, would have been Monday. Just take the love. Let people give it to you. And I understand everyone's different, but my God, like me mm-hmm. personally, yeah. a chance for a tour <laughs> of adulation and love. Oh my God. I might announce my fake retirement on my birthday <laughs> or maybe not. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I would love to hear people talk in glowing terms about me and yeah, oh, the God. length and breadth of my Going career. to your own funeral? Oh, oh. Mm. Oh, stop it. Sounds great. All right. Uh, let, <laughs> let's hear from the head coach of the Canadian women's soccer team, uh, Bev Priestman, as far as uh, Christine Sinclair's future with the with the program. Yeah, I think, you know, coming into this window, Christine told me I want to get this team to the Olympics. Like, I'm ready. Get me in. And that's the conversation that we've had to date. I think naturally with every player after this window, we'll sit down, we'll reflect and I think, you know, Christine is no different this window than what she's ever been. It's next game, next training session, um, and is the ultimate professional. So naturally, I think with everybody, we'll sit down, and I think, you know, that wider conversation, no doubt, will be there. But I must say, you know, for someone who's carried this team, you know, for so, so many years, and to come in and, you know, that's a difficult role to come in, and, and all of a sudden you've been a starter and you're a finisher and you're on home soil. She's handled herself like an absolute professional and the true Canadian that she is, humble, respectful and a professional. She went in, she did her job, she put her ego to the side um, and got this team to the Olympics, which is what she committed to coming into this window. Again, like the role for Christine Sinclair, not nearly as significant as she's nope. been throughout the course of her international career. Like, n- not at all. That substituted. The game was already decided by the time that she entered the game in the 50th minute. The Canada was already up two one on Jamaica. Didn't even need a victory to punch their ticket into the Olympics. Um, so it did feel a little ceremonial in in that moment. I mean, I can't imagine she's not going to be at the Olympics. I, I, I know Bev Priestman talked about, hey, she wanted to be part of this journey to get to the Olympics. That would be shocking to not see her in Paris. But again, like you and I, we would love the adulation. Yeah. But this is what makes Sink so great, right? Mm-hmm. This is she wouldn't be Sink if if she said, you know what, I, I want all kinds of gifts. I I want I want to be. At, at the top want, of the news I want cycle. a $90 bottle of wine from the <laughs> Oakland A's. Yeah. I, I just, CSA would take that and hawk it for 45 bucks. Would I say that it would surprise me if at the conclusion of this Olympic tournament in yeah. Paris, you just saw like a press release released from her agency that said, hey, 
I'm calling it quits. Thanks. It's It's been real. And then we rarely, if ever, hear from her again. I would not. It feels like that's where we're headed. I'm just picturing the famous Michael Jordan press release, yeah. but in reverse, not I'm back. It's yeah. I'm gone. And you just never, <laughs> yeah. never, literally never to be heard from again. Like it, it could very, very much be in the in the cards for her. And, you know, I, I joke about doing it the way I want to. But, hey, it's her, her career. It's her life. And I, I hope she gets – I if – I, I hope she makes the right decision for her regarding Paris and, and the Olympics because I think that I'm not going to sit here and pretend to know exactly how long in the tooth she is, but I don't think someone like her would want to be there as a ceremonial figure or something yeah. along those lines, but there's also more to it than that, right? Like the experience. We talk about this all the time, mm-hmm. veteran leadership and even players who aren't playing that much, who have been through moments, they can offer so much, but I I don't think she would want to do it if it would take away from the team in any way, shape or form because of everything we've said. And I'm not going to pretend to not have the answer on that, but that's why I don't think it is just a absolute slam dunk. She'll be there. Yeah, no, it's a great point that she's not going to be a passenger. It doesn't no. feel like no. uh, on a team where uh, it might be a case of her saying, I'm done. I'm not going. And I'm saying, uh, over our dead collective body, you're coming to Paris. And it's almost how it feels. All right. So it's nice to talk about Canada soccer in a, in a positive sense. And, and we will again this summer when they go into that tournament, again, as the defending gold medalist. All right. When we come back, Blue Jays lose game one of their three-game set at home against the New York Yankees, against a tough customer in Michael King. Doesn't get a whole lot easier in Garrett Cole tonight. Perhaps they benefit from a better strike zone tonight. We'll talk about that. Plenty more next. As the Fan Morning Show continues, Ben Annis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan.